Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you stuff you should know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and sitting next to me, as usual, to join the discussion, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. G'day. Yeah, okay. What's that all about? Well, uh, today I thought we would take our discussion um, from a, a topic that was sent in from a listener. So let me quickly read this suggestion. Uh, Hi, guys. My name is Nick. I am from Australia. And I love the podcast. Oh, now I got it. Yeah. I was searching the web recently when I stumbled over something which has been annoying me for a while now. What is an RSS feed and how do they work? Thanks. Well, Nick, I figure uh, that's what we're going to tackle is um, RSS feeds. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and chances are you are listening to this podcast thanks in no small part to at least some sort of variation of the RSS feed. That's true. That's true. And you know, wait a minute. You know, you mean of all the articles on the site that I've written, which is what, four or five now? Yeah. You picked one that I actually wrote? Yeah. Yeah. Out of all the thousands and thousands of articles on how stuff works, I decided to go with one that Paulette himself, uh, penned or typed, I guess. You didn't really pen it. But, um, yeah, if you go to how stuff works and you search for RSS, you'll see that our own Chris Paulette wrote the article on it. So I figure he's an expert. It's a trap. <laughs> anyway, well, let's let's go ahead and kind of give you an, a, a, sort of a, a quick introduction to RSS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all goes back to 1997. Wow, I remember it well. When the web no, was really, teaching I, the world to laugh. I remember it well. Yeah, do you? Yeah. It was a very good year. Yeah. So um, RSS stands for a couple of things, depending on who you ask. That's true. Uh, the the That's true. most common uh Form of R or the most common, uh, I, what would you say? Like the most common name for RSS, yeah, uh, is is really simple syndication. Um, that's that's how most people just translate the RSS, but that's not necessarily the only uh, way to break out that acronym. That's true. Um, actually, it had had a different name uh, assigned to it by the person who basically put it together. His name is Dave Weiner, and if you're a uh, a tech nut, then you probably recognize his name. He's had a lot to do with uh, blogging over the years. And um, he actually uh, had a hand in creating RSS, the RSS technology. Um, and it had another name, but it's funny because I think everybody thought that RSS was supposed to stand for really simple syndication because it really is simple to syndicate using these feeds. Right. Yeah, um, you, you might have heard of it also as RDF Site Summary or Rich Site Summary. Yeah, yeah, and uh, those names, not exactly the coolest names. Yeah, it's it, and yeah, it gets a little more difficult to explain what RSS is when you think of it that way. When you think really simple syndication, you already have kind of an idea of what RSS is supposed to do. It's supposed to syndicate information across the web. And what does that mean? Well, it means that instead of you having to go to multiple destinations on the web to look up information, you know, information that changes over time, uh, you would have the, this uh, subscription service where you would subscribe to a feed of information and that would serve it to you in some 
form, like whether it's a website, like a portal website like iGoogle or a uh, desktop RSS reader, anything like that. So y- you can get information from multiple sources packaged in a single view that way. That's true. Um, and uh, just as a quick thing about the name, uh, apparently Mr. Weiner thought it was a really cool name, too, because he adopted it in the last specification that he released for RSS, which is RSS 2.0. Um, but uh, it's it's funny because the really simple part uh, is very, very apt because there's really not a whole lot to it. Uh, RSS feeds are essentially a different form of web page. Uh, rather than being an HTML, which is hypertext markup language, um, which is basically how uh, a web page tells your browser to format it uh, with the different fonts, the different size fonts, bold, italic, underline, you know, all those little things. Right, where um, to put that, pictures, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, where to put the, the photos, whether or not to embed a, a chunk of flash. I mean, that's essentially what an HTML page does. And if you were to go up to your browser and view the source of the, the document, you would see that uh, basically all the text in the document itself, unless it's part of a picture, is you know just surrounded by a couple of tags. Right. So it's it's you know it, it may not necessarily be programming, but it is you know one of the closest things. It's sort of that in between phase where you're actually doing stuff to text to make it work differently in a computer, but you're not actually programming a lot of it. Um, the thing is. Uh, RSS and its cousin Atom basically use a, a cousin of the uh, the HTML specification called XML, which yeah. stands for Extensible Markup Language. Right. Um, yeah. And the thing, the difference in the two is uh, essentially, I mean, they are very closely related. But XML lets you create your own tags. Like, right. for example, if you had bold or B for bold um, in HTML, and you wanted to make it do something completely different, well, you're kind of stuck because the HTML specification is very limited. XML, on the other hand, as long as you tell it what each thing means, you could say you can have something with lots of names and addresses in it. You can create an address tag. And based on the difference is you have to tell it what the address tag means. You say, oh, well, always bold anything in the address tag. Oh, okay, well, now I know what that means. I can display it that way. Right. So XML is just a really flexible form of HTML. Yeah, it's it's really um – it's it's difficult to explain in a way that uh, that's you know very succinct. But but um, the other thing you can think of is XML allows you to define uh, the contents of a text file in different ways. Now, when when you're using a, a web browser to search for information, your computer, uh, like like let's say you're searching, uh, you're actually using a, a search engine like Google. Um, Google doesn't necessarily know what it is you're searching for. It's looking for certain keywords. Um, it might, depending on the algorithm, look at the history of searches you've done so that it can get an idea of, oh, when this person types in um, the letters N-I-C-E, uh, this person's actually looking for Nice, France, not nice, Right. Like, but otherwise, the, nice. otherwise the computer doesn't know. the The computer can't tell. It, right. it, it can't understand context. Um, XML is one of those ways where uh, you can you could create metadata, which is this this sort of attempt to kind of teach computers context, uh, but it's all still human defined. Yeah, it, essentially, metadata is data about data. Right. So it's all the characteristics of the information that you're putting in that text file. So if you create a reader that can read certain kinds of tags that you've defined in XML, so so both the content, wherever you're putting it up, and the reader itself use these same definitions, 
that's what allows you to access that particular kind of information. So with RSS, that's what we're talking about. They've both, both the reader and the information that you've tagged have this particular kind of XML in it. Um, if, uh, the nice thing is there are a lot of different, uh, web services out there that automate RSS. Uh, if you want to use it, like there are a lot of blogging systems that use some form of RSS automatically so that someone can subscribe to your blog. And every time you update it, uh, when that person logs in, their their RSS reader will look for the most recent information from your your blog. Now, um, putting it in like the RSS information into a website that doesn't have it automated is a little more complicated. Well, it's a little bit more complicated, but um, basically an XML document essentially has to have something somewhere else that the computer can look to to find out what all these little funny tags mean. I mean, the the, brow- the web browser is going to know that stuff in between the greater than and less than sign um, – Basically, that's a tag. But if it if they're not HTML tags, it's going to say, "Well, I don't know what this is unless you tell me where to go to get the information about this." Right. So um, that's that's the point of RSS or Atom is that these are definitions. Um, otherwise, the page that uh, your RSS feed is based on is just an XML document with no that doesn't explain how to interpret that information. And again, there's no context. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little simpler than it would be if you were putting in other XML because otherwise you'd have to define all those elements yourself. Sure, you could sure. do it if you really want to, but then you have to tell every time you create a web page with the, uh, essentially the RSS information and you'd have to say, well, you, ha- you know, when you open this page, look for this document on this server and yeah. it will be there. You really need to have a good familiarity with HTML and probably, I would say JavaScript too, yeah. before you really tackled it. And, um, um Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, so the nice thing is that RSS and, and Atom are accepted specifications. So, you know, they're very common. If you use Blogger or WordPress or, you know, a lot of other uh, different tools, basically when you create a blog, it'll probably, it'll ask you if you want an RSS feed. And if you do, it will go ahead and create that document along with all the other documents in your blog. So you really don't have to mess with it. And then you just, you know, people who come to visit your blog, um, say if you were visiting the Tech Stuff blog, right. you could click on the RSS logo and subscribe to it if you were the user. And the same thing is true for for things like podcasts, like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find our podcast, for example, on iTunes, which has its own sort of uh, uh, way of checking up for the latest information to make sure that you have the, the latest editions of whatever podcast you subscribe to. Uh, but there are other uh, uh, podcast hosting sites out there that you can you can go to and just subscribe via uh, RSS and not have to go through iTunes if you don't want to. That's true. It's it's just a um, it's basically just an XML file saying um, you know this will be updated every so often. Please check back. This is where the files will be found. Right. And um, every time you're uh, this is the neat part because the specification is so widespread. If you're using my Yahoo or iGoogle or, you know, NewsGator or, you know, even the uh, software browsers, um, you know, the, uh, a lot of the web browsers now have it built in. Some of the mail programs have it built in now. Sure. I mean, the RSS is so ubiquitous now that you can read RSS feeds in just about anything. Yeah. You just have to know the URL of the RSS document, the XML document for the RSS feed, tell it where to look. And uh, basically, you're off and running. Yeah, and there's there are a lot of uh, portal sites out there that um, that make this even easier. Like I, I mentioned, iGoogle before, 
Uh, if you have a Google account, then you pretty much can, you know, just go ahead and start creating your iGoogle page. If you don't have a Google account, well, they're free, so you can go ahead and make one. You know, they're going to rule us all at one day anyway, so you might as well go ahead and get on the train now. Um, but uh, iGoogle, you you can create uh, little windows that hold uh, essentially RSS news readers uh, for or, or or well RSS feed readers, I guess you could say for pretty much anything you can think of. And it has a very easy search tool you can use to search for specific um, uh, feeds if you want. Uh, and you can even organize it by category so you could have uh, an entire page just dedicated to entertainment. Uh, you could have one dedicated to technology. I am currently explaining my own iGoogle page. Um, <laughs> well, you can um, – I mean that that's the thing is – the readers like that and, and, uh, net vibes and page flakes, basically they break each individual read into its own box. And so you might see five or six, five or ten, uh, current news stories in there. Um, Google Reader is a different version where right. you can incorporate all your feeds into one big long list and it can go on forever and ever and ever. Or you can organize them into folders and read just the ones in the folder or read feed by feed. Right. Which for me would be overwhelming. Uh, it's a lot. It can be a lot if you have, you if know, more you, than you 20 or 30 feeds yeah, you anyway. you subscribe to a lot of feeds, it's going to fill up. I mean, even if you're checking multiple times a day, you got to remember all of these web pages are updating pretty frequently. Actually, that's, that's the reason why RSS is really so valuable today. Now, back when I started using the web, and I'm sure it's the same for Palette here, um, websites didn't change that often. No, not really. Because it was a pain in the butt to change a web page. Yep. Um, so web pages really served as sort of a static, you know, information page, if you will. It was something that was meant to give you some information, but it wasn't necessarily going to update very often. Yeah. So, and then, um, and then there was this big thing called push that was supposed to change all that, and yeah. it kind of didn't. But then basically, what it was going to do was start web pages were going to start pushing information out to your computer. Um, and you hear it every once in a while. It sort of resurrects every once in a while. And people say, oh, well, this is really going to be pushed. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but RSS is kind of like push, even though yeah. it's, it's pull. Your computer right. is pulling information from all these feeds. But uh, the websites are updating regularly. So if your computer says, you know, go to CNN.com and check the RSS feed. Oh, there's four new stories. Let's pull them down. And it pulls down uh, just a little bit of the story, usually as much as the RSS. And this is the part of the XML. It says, you know, pull down this much of the headline and half a paragraph of copy. Yeah, that and way, just that. That way you are uh, you you have the incentive to click on a link to go to the the actual page that has that information on it, because you could imagine if you allowed an entire page of text to come through a, a reader, there'd be no reason to visit that that host page. Well, you know, if you don't visit that host page, then the host, right, exactly. The host is not going to get any eyes on any of the advertisements that they use in order to fund the web page. And that is, after all, how they're making money off of you coming to their website. Right. So if you were using an RSS reader to read everything and you didn't ever have to visit anyone ever again, then pretty soon those sites wouldn't have any revenue streams coming in. And then you wouldn't have anyone to read anyway because they'd all be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's one of the advantages of, of forking over a few dollars for an RSS reader or finding a, a free one. Um, do you ever use any software? RSS readers I just or have? Use, I just use iGoogle. Okay. It's just my, that's my go-to. I use, I use a combination of iGoogle and Twitter 
to stay uh, right. up to date on everything. All right. Well, I've, I've used lots and lots and lots of different readers, most of them for the Macintosh, but, um, uh, NewsGator actually used to be a different sort of company, but they sort of have specialized now into RSS feeds and acquired two of the very, very best and made them free. Actually, both of them were shareware and, and NewsGator has made them free. Uh, one of them is Feed Demon. That's for Windows. And you can actually sync to your, uh, your account, your NewsGator account with both of these. So if you have a Windows computer on your desktop at work and they use a Mac at home, you might use Net Newswire for the Mac, which is an awesome feed reader. It's my favorite of all of them. Uh, and there are lots of really neat ones. Um, and uh, it will sync up the changes so that you don't have to worry about going, oh, I've read that. I've read that. Man, I've read all these. What, what, you know, what's going on? This is pointless. You don't have to worry about that with those with, that sync. And, um, you know, there, there are tons and tons of others. Um, uh, News Owl is one sure. that's free. And, uh, you know, you can even get Thunderbird, Mozilla Thunderbird to read your RSS feeds. And that's good on Mac, Windows and Linux. And we should point out that not everyone is super happy with RSS. Um, I can think of one organization in particular that's been getting, although, although the ire of this particular organization has been directed not at RSS in particular, uh-huh. more toward just, uh, the web in general. Ah. That'd be the, uh, Associated Press. Oh, yes. AP. So AP, the, their beef is that, um, you know, a lot of people are citing AP reports for their, uh, in their own news articles. Sure. So you're seeing this pop up in, on news sites and especially on blogs. And the problem is that, uh, if you're using this information, um, and, and there's no real incentive for the reader to go back to the original report, AP feels like it's doing all the legwork and getting none of the eyeballs. Right. So, uh, there's, there's this big issue now. Um, AP says, I think it's something like, gosh, I can't remember more than maybe five sentences or something is, uh, is, uh, too much. You can't quote more than that. Right. Um, it, I'm probably have that wrong. Uh, if I do go ahead and write me, write me a nice little letter. <laughs> um, but, uh, cause I didn't write this down for my notes. I just happened to have heard it off, offhand, but right. their, their point is that they don't want people using their content to get eyes when they could be getting those eyes. So uh, now one of the interesting things is both AP and the Wall Street Journal have had these kind of issues recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they uh, they sort of are in some ways indirectly attacking uh, search engines like Google. Because I'm sure if any of you have done a Google search, and I don't know that anyone out there listening to this has never done one. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, here's what you can expect. Uh, you search for something on Google, you're going to get link names, and then you'll get a small excerpt from the website underneath the link explaining mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So in the case of an AP uh, article or perhaps even a Wall Street Journal article, you might get the, the headline of the article plus some of the, the, the body of the text. Right. Um, some people say that that's too much, in, you know, that even that is too much. Like you're giving away too much. People are just reading the summary and there's no need for them to go to the website to read more. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it would be a monumentally bad decision to demand that information be removed because can you imagine how much traffic would plummet if Google said, you know what? Fine. We're removing all of your links from our search results. No longer will we ever link to any AP content 
whatsoever will only link to other websites that have that, that relate to whatever search result that is. Can you imagine how traffic would dip? Well, they, and it might. But um, it they, might? well, look at look at this though. The AP makes their money, makes its money. Sorry, I am an editor. Uh, the AP makes its money from newspapers that subscribe to its services. That's part of it, yes. And if we are all running around, if if one newspaper, I mean, you know, there are tons and tons of newspapers that are are going um, bankrupt, and some of them are going out of business, some of them are going web only. Um, if it ends up where, say, the Sacramento Bee is the last one standing and everybody's ripping off the AP headlines, then, um, you know, they, well, nobody's, then, everybody will stop going to the, the Sacramento Bee. Their advertisers are going to bolt and they're going to go under too. And my, so will the AP. So they're, argument, they're defending their, you know. My argument there then is why let that, why let the AP articles remain, uh, publicly available? Why not password protect them or subscriber protect them? Because if you're, if they're freely available on the web through some website, then, you know, pretty much everyone's going to grab it anyway. Yeah, that, that's true. And uh, (laughs) I think that's probably why you see, uh, articles on some websites where you can only read part of the first paragraph. And, uh, in fact, I saw an article just the other day in which, uh, Wall Street Times owner Rupert Murdoch is saying that all newspapers should make their websites for pay only. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of paraphrasing and oversimplifying, but yeah, I mean, he's saying that if you want to stay afloat, you're going to have to find ways to make money, and this is a great way to do it. I think the horse is already out of the barn, unfortunately. Well, we'll see, I guess. They've got to, they're, they're going to try to protect themselves, that's for sure. At any rate, Nick, I hope we answered your question about RSS feeds. And how. <laughs> so I guess that just uh, brings us around to, well, you know what it brings us around to, right? Blake? Wait, I thought we were already doing it. No, one of no, I've got. Oh, man. Listener mail! Now I have a bigger headache. So this listener mail comes from Asa. Okay. I'm guessing that's the pr- correct pronunciation. Okay. You can write me a saw and tell me that I got it wrong. <clears throat> Guys, you forgot to mention the April Fool's joke that came out a year or two ago. The YouTube video on Legend of Zelda, the movie, coming out on April 1st, 2009. This one had a lot of Zelda fanboys drooling, myself included. Um, yeah, there were tons and tons of April Fool's jokes that we couldn't get to. And people, In our April Fool's Day podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And people sent us many, many responses and saying, hey, you forgot this one. We didn't necessarily forget them. We just didn't have enough time to go into it or else it would have been an hour-long podcast. <laughs> but that one is a pretty good uh, yeah. uh, uh, joke there. I've also seen – I mean, now, now granted, I'm a big fan of fan-made trailers and – uh, you know, trailers that were made by by people who um, were doing it as sort of a film project uh, that where there's no real movie. The trailer is the film. Right. And there are a couple of really good ones out there. For example, uh, Grayson is probably one of my favorites, which, of course, is about the the man who uh, once was Robin of Batman and Robin fame. And he has to solve a murder mystery. <laughs> and um, and it includes pretty much every DC character you can think of in a little flash at some point in that preview. And flash? It's, not the flash. Okay. But the um but the preview is uh the preview is very, very impressive. And at the end of it you're like, oh, when is that coming out? And then you realize, oh wait, that was the movie. <laughs> um and then of course Well, you really did see it all then. I also like Gobstopper, which was a funny or die uh, video clip, is just a joke. 
but it was a horror movie version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory starring Christopher Lloyd as the demented Willy Wonka. Ooh. Oh, it is awesome. Um, so if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, don't check it out at work. <laughs> um, that's all I have to say about that. All right. So thanks very much for that listener mail. If any of you want to write in, you can write us at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. We have blogs up. You can find that at howstuffworks.com. Look over in the right-hand side. You'll see the blogs listed. And keep your eyes peeled because on Fridays, I'm going to start wrapping up our podcast discussions in a, a, a blog post so that if you have anything you want to contribute to the discussion, you can write into the comments there and I'll be responding as well. Who knows? We might even get Paulette to respond once in a while um, if he feels up to it. Okay. Because, you know, Fridays are tough days for editors here. Yeah. That's, that's no joke. They've that's got true. a lot of work to do on Fridays. But we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?